Hello, my name is Dr. Paul Wheatley-Price. I'm a medical oncologist at the Ottawa Hospital and immediate past president of Lung Cancer Canada. Welcome to our podcast series called Lung Cancer Voices. In this series, I'll be interviewing patients, caregivers, healthcare professionals, and some of the leading lung cancer researchers in the country and indeed in the world to highlight important and relevant issues facing those affected by lung cancer. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Lung Cancer Voices podcast, where I'm here with Angus Pratt, who is a lung cancer patient in Surrey, BC. And this is part two of a two-part podcast. So if you uh, haven't listened to part one, I would suggest you go back and listen to it. They don't have to be in order, so uh, you can listen to this one and then go back and listen to that one. Uh, Welcome back, Angus, to the Lung Cancer Voices podcast. Thank you so much for having me back. I must not have done too badly on the first one. <laughs> so in, in the first one, uh, Angus, we talked about uh, really about you and your background and you were born in Scotland and then you were raised in Saskatchewan and then you lived in Panama for a while, back to Saskatchewan and then BC where you are now and that you were diagnosed with lung cancer about four years ago. And you, you had a very difficult first year with, with you and with your family. And But for the last three years, you've been doing very well. And your cancer is nicely under control with a fatinib. Did I summarize that? You did a wonderful job of, of bringing this right up to date. All right. So I was listening appropriately. Okay. So what I wanted to ask you about in part two of this is some of the things that you've been doing are not going to be the right thing for for many people with lung cancer but some people might be really interested in learning what you've been doing above and beyond just your own personal lung cancer story so maybe we could start with you've just been appointed to the uh, to be a, a patient representative on uh, on the advisory council on research for the Canadian Cancer Society. Did I get that right? You did. I'm still having trouble wrapping my hand around it. We haven't actually had a formal meeting yet. I have a terms of reference and that's about all I have from a job description perspective, <laughs> but I'm, I'm well, looking forward to it. So, well, firstly, congratulations. That's fantastic. What is this though? What, what is the Advisory Council on Research at the Canadian Cancer Society? And I know you, it's, you're just new to it, but what do you perceive your role is going to be? They've been around for a long time, but it's primarily been research professionals sort of guiding the research funding arm of the Canadian Cancer Society, which as you can imagine is quite large and and is a major factor in in terms of, of of cancer research in Canada, certainly the academic academic work and, and so but up until now patients have not been part of that in in fact when i first started working with the canadian cancer society four years ago they had a rule in place that said if you were in active treatment you couldn't volunteer with the organization so for them to involve patients has been a huge piece particularly active patients and and, and it's it's a realization that many of us are living longer with a much better quality of life and we want to make a difference And I think that there's a a recognition that lung cancer or that cancer patients in general bring lived experience to the table. That's the word, that's the common phrase that's that's used to describe that participation. And there's a sense of a need for that from the various non-for-profit organizations that are involved in, in advocacy. 
I think I've probably mentioned it on the podcast before, not not with you, Angus, but in previous uh, previous episodes that I sometimes somebody once said to me and it resonated with me that, you know, when I meet with a patient, it's a meeting of two experts. Like I can tell you all about lung cancer and different types and treatments and side effects and prognoses, but you're the expert in how you feel and what you want. And it's that meeting of two experts that then together we make a, a plan which hopefully works out. And I, I, I get what, what you're saying is actually beyond that patient physician interaction on a more macro level that you know having the lived experience as you say on policy and research making decisions is is, is important and we've seen that in, in particularly coming out of the US a lot of very important uh, lung cancer patient groups uh, the EGFR resistors and the Ross Ponders and, and etc cetera, etc cetera. cross kickers uh, the cross kickers is the out group that, that have really fundraised, supported, and giving out grants now, and, and been really brought forward the importance of having the patient voice at the research table. How did you get involved in that? I mean, how, how, come, how come it's you on this group at the Canadian Cancer Society? Did they just post an advert in the Global Mail, or were you already involved? You know, it's been an interesting journey, and, and I'll try and keep it brief, but it started off with... with um, and I get, I, I guess one of the things I'd like to say is I get asked this by other patients, like, how do I get involved? Um, and, and that's a, so it's a good question to, to, my involvement initially was I was a web developer and, and an online forum was a, a really natural place for me to contribute. And I felt like I wanted to kind of map my journey out for people who were following behind and let them know what I was experiencing. And part of that was the uniqueness of male breast cancer. You're plunged into a, a pink world and just to raise some awareness around that. But once I realized the stigma of lung cancer, which really, even in those first couple of months, really was a real burr under the saddle. But so I got involved with the online forum of the Canadian Cancer Society, which is cancerconnection.ca. Right. No S, <laughs> it's just a connection. <laughs> um, and But it really, it, it got me involved with other patients. I connected with another breast cancer patient, or not a breast cancer patient, pardon me, another lung cancer patient on a FATMIB. Um, it was just a real connecting place for me. Uh, I became a mentor there. And then through that involvement and some of the advocacy that was going on with Lung Cancer Canada, got involved with the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, IASLC, and did their training program, STARS. And that program really gave me a solid understanding of the scientific basis of cancer and lung cancer in particular, um, and some terminology. It also gave me some advocacy tools in terms of the elevator speech um, and how to put a presentation together. Some of the things that I'd done all my life, but not necessarily in the cancer world. And, and there have been previous guests on our podcast, actually, who have been part of the STARS program. I'm thinking Kim McIntosh and uh, Jill Hammer-Wilson. Yes. And Jill has very much been a mentor. Kim, I didn't get to know quite as well, but Jill and I are, are in touch on a regular basis. And, and, and that's just a super relationship that, that those are the kinds of things that have led to grant proposal reviewing, um, participated with the Canadian um, Cancer Research Conference, co-chaired a couple of sessions there. And, and all of that led to a stronger connection with the Canadian Cancer Society and their research arm to the point when they started looking for a lung cancer patient that could sit on their advisory council. I, I had a pretty good reputation for, for being 
um, someone who wasn't afraid to speak up. <laughs> well, that's great. And, and you know, selfishly, living in the world of lung cancer as a professional, I think you mentioned but maybe before we were recording that there are three patient reps on this uh, on this uh, advisory council. And, you know, lung cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer in the country. You know, I'm glad that we have a lung cancer voice um, at that, that table. Yeah, I mean, um, it is a pretty unique voice because I have male breast cancer too, but, but it... But it, it but I make no bones about it. I, I, I'm, lung cancer is my passion, and that's the one that I speak to. Well, it's going to give you lots of perspective, and then with your wife's history with pancreatic cancer as well. It really brings that palliative question to bear. I know in the first podcast, we talked a little bit about that dying and some of those sorts of things, and that's become, I've gotten quite involved with some of your previous guests as well, Cien Sao and Dr. Sammy Winemaker from the Waiting Room Revolution, and and that perspective of, you know, the palliative care is not the death squad. They are about managing serious illness is a message that I love to carry. So those, those two pieces are just passionate. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, maybe I'll, I'm just going to take a little break here to do a few plugs then because of some stuff that you've mentioned. And then I'm going to ask you about, about being a patient at medical conferences, but just some of the, the things you, you brought up, but I just think maybe we could just, uh, highlight is you know if you if, if you're listening to this and you are newly diagnosed with with lung cancer and you do want support um there are places out there so um and there are lots of places out there uh so in the cancer center that you are receiving treatment there may well be or at least i hope there would be like a um support therapist or a psychosocial oncology program where you can get support in your region you may want to look to see if there is a lung cancer specific support group in the past there were very few support groups for lung cancer patients but they are thankfully increasing in in number and popularity and in person or virtual so you could look for that too and and through the lung cancer canada website we can also try and help set you up and link you with that at Lung Cancer Canada, we have uh, support systems. We have uh, programs uh, like uh, the Breath for Hope and a peer-to-peer network where there's support available and lots of materials uh, if you if you wanted to learn about things. Uh, you've mentioned the Canadian Cancer Society with CancerConnection.ca. So you know, I think if people want want to find support or or other people who who have a shared experience that you know these opportunities are, are out there and I would, would encourage you to uh, to, to try and um, access that that does not mean you have to then go on and do Angus what you've been doing and, and become a mentor and then become a national patient leader in, in lung cancer one of the things that happens is we talked very we brushed by it earlier or I brushed by it earlier when I talked about the stigma but the fact is this disease does have a lot of stigma and people are very reluctant I find, to reach out. And, and so one of the things that Cancer Connection offers is anonymity. In other words, you don't have to out yourself um, there. And, and the same in the various support groups. I have a small group of patients here in British Columbia that we're still looking for a home. <laughs> um, we meet every two weeks. And part of the reason we're looking for a home is because we don't just talk support. We do talk advocacy as well. And, and some of us are pretty involved in that, but others are just there because they're cancer patients, lung cancer patients, and they need to talk to other people who are going through those challenges of, you know, what are, what are my te- teenagers going to do? How, how, you know, 
my kid's struggling in school. I just got a call from the, you know, those kinds of common things that happen. Yeah. Support groups are a huge part. And I think that that's an opportunity for anybody that wants to get involved to start. I mean, just come and, and sit in the group and listen. You don't have to say anything. We have a number of people in the various support groups that I'm part of. That, that that's all they do. Yeah, and if people are listening and they're in an area where they're in the support group and they'd like to start one, again, reach out to Lung Cancer Canada. We'd love to help you uh, yep. set something up. Um, Angus, I want to just for the, the last part of the our last part of part two, second half of part two, I want, want to ask you about about being a patient attending medical conferences. Uh, historically, patients didn't go to medical conferences. They were <laughs> scientific. They were, and and you know, it was uh, it's an us and them thing. That's changing. If, I, if I've got my notes right, you've now attended the Canadian Cancer Research Conference, and I think you mentioned earlier you you, you co-chaired some some sessions there. You've attended the World Conference on Lung Cancer, which is the IASLC annual meeting. In fact, it just like happened. Event, if you want to call it that. As we're recording this, it's it's just happened. Like a few. You just days wound ago. down, yeah, yeah. Vienna, which is a nice place to go. I didn't go this year, but. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> You attended virtually last year when it was in Singapore. Singapore, and and I and I tried to get into a few sessions. I've got a number of sessions lined up to listen to virtually, and so yeah, including one that we we had a mini oral presentation. Um, a group of lung cancer patients here in Canada looking at the support role of of social media in for for lung cancer patients and, and uh, presented. Yeah, so, you, so you were not just an attendee learning. But you were also a, a, like a co-author on a co-author on a paper, yes, and then also part of the Stars program. That you yeah, mentioned. yeah, and then recently you, you've attended in person the Canadian Lung Cancer Conference, which is closer to you in, in Vancouver. Which was my first medical conference, and, and I kind of looked around and realized that I was probably the only patient in the room, which was really a strange feeling, and and it it was it it was a huge honor um, to be allowed in to listen to to those and I really appreciate lung cancer Canada's sponsorship to get me in there um, my first chuckle came when I went to register at the door and get my stuff and and uh, they couldn't find my name on the list and so she just scribbled down dr. Pratt and asked me to sign and I said yeah that's my dad that's not me he was the veterinarian I'm just I, I look after animals on the construction site <laughs> but it's Mr. Pratt. Angus what you know medical conferences and scientific presentations and all of the scientific language I mean you're an educated man but you're not educated in in medical lingo necessarily I mean how did you find firstly just the science of it all did it did it all was it easy to understand or was it was it not bits and pieces i mean one of the things that happens when when you have a disease is you dig into it and i have the tools from from just living with my father to dig into medical stuff um and yes i know that paramedics are kind of looked down on for their medical knowledge, but we do have a little bit here and there. So, so the science really doesn't baffle me as much as it might a lot of people. I actually, my undergraduate degree had some classes in things like medical genetics. I had one of the top uh, microbiologists in Canada teach me medical genetics. Um, and, and so I have those sorts of pieces. 40 years old, but not 
So the, the science really didn't baffle me, and, and it was exciting to hear and to get some of the pieces. There's a difference. You can do all the reading you want, but to hear somebody talking about it, even just you know pronunciation of words can sometimes, and, 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 and those sorts of things, and, and to realize that you know these are real people looking at real problems, and they really care about about patients. And I think that was perhaps the one of the most valuable pieces for me was to see the intensity and the and, and the care that people had there. It went way beyond the science. It was it was the connections and the networking that I was able to do there, the connections that I was able to make with with oncologists, some of the top um, EGFR people and so on. So okay. So just in the last few minutes, I'm just going to ask you about the Canadian Lung Cancer Conference. So this was in Vancouver. It was just about a month ago from when we we're recording this. Uh, you kindly send me some notes uh, ahead of time about some of your views on of the different bits of the meeting. The keynote speaker at the conference was uh, Dr. Federico Capuzzo, who's uh, uh, from, from Italy, and, and um, I think he's in Rome now, and is, a, is really a global name in lung cancer. And I, what, what did you think of his presentation? It was funny because I just finished, I'd taken a road trip and just finished listening to the Emperor of All Maladies, um, which is sort of that sweeping overview of, of cancer. And so to hear his discussion of lung cancer specifically, it gave me a very focused group at it, uh, look at it. And, and it resonated with, with some other presentations along those sort of same, similar lines. But really the the major piece that that i walked away thinking about was how i mean four years ago i, I was given some very dismal statistics that have really dramatically changed and just how fast this world is changing this this lung cancer um, treatment world is changing and that was certainly the biggest piece that i walked away this kind of stunned at yeah it was, it was a great talk yeah, it's interesting, the, the Emperor of All Maladies. So that the author of that, Siddhartha Mukherjee. And uh, that was, uh, I, if I'm remembering this correctly, I think that won the Pulitzer Prize for nonfiction if you, when it was published probably a decade ago now. An no, amazing, 10 years amazing ago. book, uh, which is like it was a New York Times bestseller as a sort of sweep through the history of cancer. It was, uh, it was fascinating. It was Dr. Amy Moore that put me onto it, and, and it was she actually had him come in as the capstone in her class to talk to her students. And I can just, how inspiring would that be? <laughs> just amazing. Uh, so, what about what, any other sort of highlights from the Canadian? The real, the real highlight was probably the debate around Dravalmilab for EGFR patients, right, because right. that was. I just when I saw it on the agenda, I thought, oh my God, that's me. Um, and, and that's, you know, that debate was not, and I, there was a point where I was, I, my hands started to move and just wave and say, hey, you know, you're talking about me <laughs> here. And, and, and yeah, Angus, just to interrupt, we need to refer people back now to listen to part one, where you talked about how you had stage three lung cancer. And so people with stage three lung cancer would often get a year of Dervalumab immunotherapy after their initial chemotherapy and radiation. Uh, but there's a debate about whether that's effective in people with the EGFR subtype of lung cancer, which you have. So that was that was what was happening at the conference. There were two great speakers, Dr. Alia Pabani from uh, from Alberta, uh, from Calgary, and Dr. Catherine Labay uh, 
from Quebec City, and they were ding-donging it out about uh, the pros and cons of that of that approach. So that, just sorry, just to put it in a bit of context. And that was interesting. I mean, so to recognize that lung cancer patients sort of want to make sure that they're getting the best possible treatment and to realize that we don't always know. And, 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 and I include myself in that, you know, that, that there are debates about this stuff. And that's what clinical trials do for us is try and settle those sorts of things. And that's why the participation of patients in clinical trials, why it's important to encourage doctors to organize those. They're not easy, they're, they're difficult. There's all kinds of hurdles to, to putting a clinical trial together and to prove and to disprove some of this stuff. And, and so it's, I think patients are in a position to support and advocate for that stuff if they're aware of it. Um, but if we take things as settled science, um, and that's often how they're presented to us, don't question your oncologist. And, and I understand that. I mean, my family said, just remember, you're the patient and they're the doctor. <laughs> and I, I, I wonder what your perspective is, because one of the big, the big things about the Canadian Lung Cancer Conference, one of the, the hallmarks of that conference is, is this session that they have every year of debates. And uh, so you were there. I was part of one of the debates, which ended up as a 50-50 tie. The first time my co-debater. But I, I wonder what your thoughts were that actually just looking at these debates, does that help you or scare you as a patient in and when you see that actually some there's there's lots of questions in medicine which are not answered and there or there is a lot of research, but there are conflicting views both of which you know both sides of the view could be extremely reasonable um but different and how does that reassure you that people are thinking about these problems or does it kind of worry you that oh my gosh they don't know what's the right thing to do um personally i find it very reassuring um very reassuring to know that that there's enough humility to admit that we don't know everything and and that 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 we can have and it was fun i mean let's 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 agree that there was a lot of laughter in those sessions as the two groups went at each other for the three debates that were had and and you know there might be people that think you know this is this is serious stuff this is my life that you're talking about and and so on but to me um the that that environment allowed for a very real very actual debate that that if you were you know, deadly serious about it, it wouldn't have, you couldn't have had that, that kind of free flow, free flowing ideas. And, and my experience in the scientific world is that, that that's how these things are discovered. That's where somebody has, you know, has a, the bell goes off, you know, the, the and, and the other debates were equally, um, I mean, I can, I can point you to patients that are caught in all of the other scenarios that were debated there. And I think it's important to recognize that, you know, this is a complex problem and the solutions are complex and, it, and it's giving people the tool, the patients, the tools to talk about these difficult decisions that have to be made so that they can be joint partners in the decisions. You know, the patient not only comes to the table with lived experience, but they come with their personal set of values. You know, how, is, is quantity, I mean, the typical framing of the debate is quantity versus quality. And, and so you, you run into those challenges, but it, it's, 
just it was for me it was it was exciting and, and I think that there are elements that the patient experience could bring to that conference um, and take away you know that we can talk about in support groups that we can encourage other patients I think that one of the things that happens for me is as I have the opportunity to share the results of this conference um, it, it brings hope to patients you know the the discussions around genomic testing and the importance of it and, and it gives them the you know, had a conversation um, on Wednesday around that very issue, the importance of biopsy, even though there's its progression, because things can change. So thank you for that, Angus. I think we are probably at time now, but it's interesting, you know, when you think, uh, these conferences, as, as lung cancer treatments get better and better and better, part of that is because it's more and more and more complex, and therefore there's more and more and more questions. Look, my final question for you is you're doing all of these amazing things. You're going to conferences, you're co-chairing meetings, you're sitting on national panels. For patients who may be newly diagnosed with lung cancer or maybe have had lung cancer for a while or, or, or family members, if you were going to give them any sort of advice or encouragement about getting involved with support groups or with advocacy or, or at the level you're, you're working at, what, what, if you could give them a nugget of advice, what would it be? My first thought is immediately goes to self-care. Look after yourself first. Um, you need to eat well. You need to sleep well. You need to exercise. Um, otherwise, none of this is possible. Exercise is probably the biggest learning curve for me. That's having a good solid basis, a good, you know, the fundamentals of health. And then, and then just, um, you know, get involved where you can. The White Ribbon Campaign we haven't talked about. But there are all sorts of other opportunities um, through various support groups and just reach out. Lung cancer doesn't, the stigma around it is changing. Reach out to Lung Cancer Canada. We, we're, they're great at connecting. Yeah, so please, yeah, do reach out to Lung Cancer Canada. And there are other organizations, maybe locally or nationally, you could also reach out to as well. But um, we are the, the, we only support people with lung cancer. That's what we do. That's why we exist. Support education awareness advocacy research other things that we do so please do reach out to us if you would like angus thank you so much uh you've given up, i know you've got other things to do today and you've given up a chunk of your time for these uh to, to record these podcasts it's and been a real pleasure and just thank you again to lung cancer canada for the opportunity to go to the to the canadian lung cancer conference and, and the opportunity to talk to you dr wheatley price it's just such a pleasure paul <laughs> yeah paul that's you uh, uh, yeah, no, first name terms it. Well, thank you again. And, and for those listening, you know, if you've heard things that you that interest you or have given you thoughts about opportunities you'd like to get involved in, please do reach out to us and we can probably connect you with Angus or we can connect you with, you know, some of these other groups that have uh, that have come up. Um, and uh, please, if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to part one as well. And otherwise, uh, join us for the, the next episode of Lung Cancer Voices. Thanks, thanks again for listening. Thanks to our producer, Ryan Mullen. Please send us your feedback, like and follow us on Facebook at LungCan, on Twitter at LungCancer underscore Can, and on Instagram at LungCancerCanada. For more information about lung cancer or to donate, volunteer or share your story, visit our webpage at LungCancerCanada.ca.